This is Nullius in Verba, a podcast about science, what it is, and what it could be. It's co-hosted by me, Smriti Mehta from UC Berkeley, and me, Daniel Lagens from Eindhoven University of Technology. In today's episode, we continue our conversation on the replication crisis. We dive into the previous crisis in social psychology and highlight some similarities in focus between the old and the new crisis. What concerns about methodology, theory, generalizability, and practical relevance did psychologists raise half a century ago? We also ask what has changed and what remains the same in the current crisis. Enjoy! So I recently was at the National Academy of Sciences for the Meta Science Conference, um, mm-hmm. um, which is very nice at, in Washington D.C. And there was a little panel of like female uh, female scientists, and w- there was a quote by Susan Fisk um, mm-hmm. that I thought was kind of interesting because it was just meant to be like a just little blurbs from scientists, but hers actually did touch on this like crisis issue. So it says. Mm-hmm. Um, all sciences undergo both gradual and sudden change as a function of ongoing discovery and self-correction. Sudden changes are harder to absorb. Crises in the field challenge a fresh PhD to evaluate the state of the field and her potential role in it. Yeah. And I thought that yeah. was uh I thought that was interesting and also probably true that if you're, you know, I mean certainly yeah, if you're starting out or, or new then yeah, like it does sort of make you question yeah, like if you're part of a field that, yeah, most of the things don't replicate, you can't really do much. Like, what what are you supposed to do? Right. Yeah. Because science is supposed to build on itself. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I, in a way, I don't know if this is how it's meant, but in a way, you might even say, hey, we have to be a bit careful talking about this crisis, going back to this crisis narrative. Right. Right. right exactly. Yeah. Yeah. The way you frame we, it. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. We might want to be a little bit careful about it because we might um discourage some people right discourage some younger researchers and that's not a good thing to do mm-hmm. nobody benefits from this mm. um so what do you think about this is this a real risk no i don't think so i don't think so i mean the question of whether this should be introduced to the same sort of extent to undergraduates that i'm not sure about yeah, so maybe maybe it's not something I would recommend going into too much detail when you're discussing it with although well mm-hmm. I mean it depends on how you think about it, right? If you think it's a crisis and it's just sort of, you know, oh there's sort of hopeless then then mm-hmm. maybe you don't want to talk about it, but you can also think of it as an opportunity, right? Mm-hmm. Like there's a lot mm-hmm. of changes happening in the field, there's a lot of good work that could be done, yeah. right? It can be sort of thought of as exciting. Um, yeah. There's yeah. a quote by from Quantitude, um, which is mm-hmm. a podcast we both like. They once said mm-hmm. this like line, which I absolutely love. I think Patrick is the one who said it. Um, at the end, they used to do this like little thing of like, oh, we're you know sponsored by something, and he's like, and mm-hmm. and and he's like, oh, the the replication crisis. 
just when you thought all the good hypotheses were taken, we get to do it all over again. And, <laughs> and so it's like, oh, you know, yeah, you have all this like open open questions, like things need to be sort of, you know, re-looked at and stuff. So you could think of it in this exciting manner. And I do think maybe we yeah, do want yeah, more yeah, people yeah. that are not discouraged by, oh, it's challenging and it's difficult. We're still trying to figure things out. But, you know, come, come join us and help make things mm-hmm. better. So. So this is, I think, a perfect moment to do something that I thought we would actually start with. Right. Um, yeah. Which uh, which we didn't do because now we talked first about uh, recent history. Mm-hmm. But one of the things, as always, which is nice about the podcast is it motivates us to read a little bit, right? right. That's what we, we get out of it. Yeah. And um, so I was reading about the previous crisis, mm-hmm. I already told you. I got really excited about it. <laughs> yeah. I'm really interested in it. Yeah. And uh, so let me first briefly explain that there was a previous crisis, because then I want to play a game with you to ask you uh, also some quotes, nice. and whether they're from the previous crisis or uh-huh. the current crisis. But let me briefly explain what this previous crisis was about. And this was really a crisis in social psychology. Mm-hmm. And it remained relatively limited to social psychology. But there are a couple of themes that are very similar to the discussions we have now. So, so far we talked about reproducibility, like whether whether we can replicate studies, Um, but also a bit of theory. We also talked about this and those things came up and there are some other topics that also came up then. Um, This is a crisis in social psychology that started sort of the end of the 60s and lasted well until the end of the 70s. Mm-hmm. So a bit more than a decade, I think. Mm-hmm. And there was yeah, a couple of starting points or a couple of big things, but one starting point was also methodological. Mm. And it was uh, a paper or a couple of papers on um, participant bias. Mm. So basically uh, participant sort of, sort of des- social desirability effects mm-hmm, and those kind mm-hmm, of things. Mm-hmm. And I, I don't know if this is because psychologists were studying rats for a long time and then they just sort of switched to human beings <laughs> and, and they like, thought, oh, yeah, shit. they're just like yeah. rats. And they're like, oh, wait, they have thoughts. Sometimes they just tell us stuff because they think we want to hear this. Right. Holy shit. I mean, so I think they were surprised about that. Uh, that's a paper by Orne in uh, 1962. And, and there's a book uh, by uh, Rosenthal mm-hmm. about um, experimenter effects mm-hmm. in psychology. Um, and this is more about how researchers themselves might create effects by the way they behave. And here you really have to think about the kind of, uh, you know, the Milgram-based studies where there is an experimenter in the room right. telling another participant it is in, you know, it's it, uh, it's important for the study that you continue right. giving electrical shocks to the participants. So this, these kind of experiments where the experimenter is really doing stuff, right. uh, which we don't do so much anymore, but that was a big thing. In the sixties, yeah. or like, <laughs> or like Zimbardo, where you just become the warden of your own prison. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah. 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 But but all sorts of social, really social right. interactions with experimenters were going on in the day, and uh, yeah, kind of interesting. You know, Ash Ash's experiments, mm-hmm. for example, yeah. a bit earlier. But you know, Conformity, you have a bunch of people right. in the room. Mm-hmm. There are con- confederates and and everything. Anyway, so and um, Rosenthal writes about how yeah experimenters might create effects. So all of a sudden, these people are like, wait, but the methods we have, maybe those generate the effects. Right. Okay, so so there's also a bit of discussion that starts. Mm-hmm. And then there's another big paper, um, which really, I think, uh, 
um, also got the crisis up to a next level. Mm. And it's a, a paper by Gergen, mm. who who I think a lot of people might not know uh, now. If I think a lot of listeners, I mean, even social psychologists, younger ones will probably not even have heard of Gergen. But he basically started this previous crisis, which was exactly the same sort of big thing then as our crisis is now. I mean, mm. big names were all writing about this stuff. I'll, right. I, I might show you know some quotes, but like the biggest names in the fields, they were all upset about this and writing opinion pieces Mm -hmm. continuously about this for a decade right yeah yeah and um but he talked about um social psychology as history Mm -hmm. and he basically said look what we're trying to do generalizable findings forget it that's not social psychology nothing generalizes i mean maybe he he sort of kept the door open to you know some things might be pretty Mm -hmm. stable for a while but basically he's like you know we should treat ourselves as history and and that also got a lot of people upset about whether that's true or not. A lot of discussion. All right. So, um, but you were talking about um, uh, because I mean I can I have a lot of quotes that mm-hmm. I can ask. Mm-hmm. I'll, we, I'll go back a little bit to earlier topics maybe before. But we were talking about um, whether students are demotivated. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. All right. So I'll read you two quotes, and it's up to you to decide if the quote which quote comes from the current crisis. Mm-hmm. I'll call it the 2010 sort of, you know, mm-hmm. 2010 to 2020 crisis mm-hmm. or the 1970 crisis. Yeah, the okay. early one. Mm-hmm. Yeah. All right. So I'll start with one uh, quote and um, which goes as follows. Another set of potential winners are researchers in of, of the crisis, right? Another set of potential winners are researchers in nearby fields who compete with social psychologists for grant funds, awards, faculty lines, graduate student support, and pages in broad readership journals. As social psychologists persist in discrediting our field's work, we lend ammunition to other areas who argue that the pre precious and scarce research funds should be diverted away from social psychology and into their own areas. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so this is somebody concerned about negative consequences about mm-hmm. the crisis, right? Okay, here comes the second one. Okay. Some expressions of epistemological malaise mm-hmm. have been outright destructive and paralyzing for social psychology. Mm. Entirely without heuristic consequence has been the argument about dot 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 some specific argument which mm-hmm. would give it away. Nevertheless, the controversy has discouraged promising students from entering the field and granting agencies from increasing social psychological research budgets. Mm. Okay, so which of these is from the first crisis and which is the second crisis? The second one is from the first crisis. The second one is from the first crisis. That's incorrect. Oh, no. Really? Well, they're both very similar. Yeah. Well, exactly right. And I I should have said that, you know, you typically have a very good track record. I do have a very good track record, yeah. Why I was so excited (laughs) about reading up on this is exactly this. Like, they are so similar. If I put them side by side, like I wouldn't. Anyway, the first quote was from Roy Baumeister, 2016. Hmm. The second quote. Wait, but that's what I said. The second quote is from the first crisis. Oh, wait, did you say the second quote? Yeah, but I said the second quote is from the first crisis. Oh, 
Damn it. Yeah, so I'm right. God damn it, Daniel. You're right. <laughs> Very good. Very good. Okay. So the, okay, okay. The second yeah. quote is from 1970. Yeah, that's what I said. Okay. Yeah. Or, or actually a bit God. later, by the way. Thank okay, God. okay, yeah, okay. Still, still me. Yeah, good. yeah. <laughs> Sorry. I mean, okay. Uh, it, it's my fault. You did it wrong. Good. One, one, one point. Um, okay. So the, the first quote I wrote is by Robi Meister. Right. The second quote mm-hmm. is ref- a reflection from Bob Science. From who? Do you know Bob Science? Bob Bob Science? No. Do you know him? Yeah, you write it as Zayunk. Bob Zayunk. That's oh. how you write it. Oh, him I do know. Yeah. Zayunk, yeah. <laughs> but this is like a thing that you, you have to hear from somebody, that you're supposed to pronounce his name Science, not Zayunk, which is how you would sort of pronounce oh, it science. if you just read it. Oh, yes, that's how yes. you pronounce it. See, that's amazing. Yeah, did not know that. I mean, learn something I don't every know day. if that's really... I don't know if that's really how you pronounce it, but I, feel I mean, like if I was a scientist with that name, I would say Zayunk. No, it's actually science. It's pronounced science. You know, my name. My as name a is just science. Yeah. science. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I but, mean, him. I've definitely. I mean, I've see, read his name. Yeah, multiple yeah, times. So I know who you're talking about. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Exactly. And as I said, like hmm. big names, big names yeah. are writing about this stuff and are upset about this. Okay. Oh, okay. Like, okay. N- nobody uses malaise anymore in writing, Daniel. <laughs> okay. Okay. I, I think it is difficult to uh, not completely. Yeah, there are some contextual cues. <laughs> right. Okay. But let's. Hey, Um. so we, we skipped a couple of um, topics that I also want to go mm-hmm. into this game with. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. About. Let's so, do it. It's so fun. we talked about replicability replication mm-hmm, right mm-hmm. and we talked about theories not being very good those are two topics and and those are two we might talk about some other crises mm-hmm. after a while but those two topics i would like to have quotes for and great. then we do the same game great yeah? let's do it all right here we go this is the first quote that i'll say mm-hmm. all right um in order to benefit properly from replications actually carried out, it is essential that these be routinely published, even if only as brief notes with fuller reports available from the experimenter from a university library or some, somewhere else. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's the first quote. Somebody saying that this is important. Second quote, replications could be published in a special section of each journal much like the sections that are currently used for making editorial statements. Hmm. The print version of a journal issue could contain short abstracts of new replications. So both of these are proposals to get replications out, mm-hmm. right? Because we're not publishing them, so they're both sort of saying, yeah, you know, maybe we can publish them as short abstracts. Mm-hmm. I mean, maybe it's difficult to even keep them apart. They're so <laughs> similar, but you want to guess. The first quote, where is it from, and the second? The first one is from the first crisis. Well done. Well done. <laughs> Rosenthal, from his book on experimental effects, the second yeah. quote is actually from uh, Kohle and Lakens, 2012, oh, from this special issue. Citation. Nice. Self citation. Yeah. <laughs> it's from this uh, special issue we already talked about in nice. Perspectives on Psychological ah. Science that Bobby Spellman did in 2012. Uh-huh. Yeah. Okay, I've heard, yeah. Okay. That, I should sit down and read that whole special issue. I think that one was. Uh, yeah, yeah. I've, yeah. Re- I've read some papers I, from it, but it seems like a great I, I have issue. one, uh, I have another quote about uh, replications. I don't have a counter quote. So here you just have to guess. I'm okay. just going to say okay. the quote and you say, is it from the old or the new one? Yeah? All right. There may be a crisis in personality and social psychology associated with the difficulty often experienced by researchers in attempting to replicate published work. 
A precise statement of the magnitude of this problem cannot be made, since most failures to replicate do not receive public report. That's from Rosenthal. <laughs> it is from the old yeah, crisis, right? Uh, but it is actually by uh, Tony Greenwald. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, I would have predicted mm, old yeah. one, so I guess track record yeah. is still maintained. But okay. yeah, yeah, the, yeah, the guess is correct. I mean, uh, guessing the author of everyone is yeah, that's I was I was shooting too high. Yeah, aim too high. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but this again, so this is the first crisis. We're right. talking Tony Greenwald, right? Yeah. Most people now would know 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 this person from the IET, mm-hmm, one of the mm-hmm. people behind the IET. But uh, nineteen seventy six. And this is an editorial in the Journal of Personality and Social Psychology. Mm. Isn't it interesting that the same journal that, you know, uh, almost 50 years later rejected the direct replication of (laughs) Daryl Ben? So we didn't get very far. Okay. Um, And and what I also want to do is the... They're like, you can submit a commentary about replications, but we will not actually submit replications. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, no, exactly. Um, I mean, I have so many. I we could. This is going to take whole, way too long. But I'll, episode, I'll move yeah. on. I have a couple of more, maybe yeah. for uh, anyway. But, uh, but I'll no, do I mean, I did a hat trick. I think we're good. I quit. Well, no, no, I'm, no. Quit, I'm I want to do. <laughs> yeah, but I want to do one about theory. Yeah. <gasps> okay. Okay. Yeah. All right. All right. So I have two. Uh-huh. The first social psychology is clearly in need of new and better theories probably the most persistent complaint in the field's history from within and without is that it is largely empirical with little theoretical guidance. Yeah, that's the first. Second, this is a title first called Theoretical Retardation. Philosophers of science concur that scientific advances are advances in theory, but the state of theory in personality and social psychology may well be reason for concern. The second one is from the first crisis. This is a trick question because it's correct, but the first one was also from, from the first fr- crisis. <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> but isn't it like, come on, this this all could basically, I mean, your yeah. guessing is amazing, amazing <laughs> again. I mean, okay. But honestly, this all could have been from the recent crisis let's right. be true right yeah oh, i mean absolutely. it's just the same issues same, same issues, issues coming up but now all, all papers are written somewhere in the 70s you know but I see mean, this is what just... happens when you don't read anything i mean and i hadn't read this right, right. i mean and i've been working in this for a long time i'm also surprised i was surprised right. by myself like why didn't i read this before because it is so relevant yeah you know and i think i mean yeah. it's not it's not the fault of the students even i would say right i think it's a programs and Right. Because it's mm. if you're only running after the flat and that's why I yeah, like if you're only running after, oh, let's do the new thing and let's try to, you know, run with it instead of really trying to like and maybe I'm so old school this way. And, mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. maybe this is why I will not stick around in the field. But it's just like to me, it seems like at least your PhD or whatever. Right. Like the beginning should really be spent on trying to understand, you know, mm-hmm, where you have come mm-hmm. from, because you really cannot go anywhere unless you know where you come from. And so I think to mm-hmm. to really spend some time. Digging into yeah. the field. Okay, what were the issues then? Like, how do we make sure we're not repeating the same mistakes? Because that's what happens, right? Yeah, if you didn't listen yeah. then, you know, in the 1970s about the issues, then of course things are going to like, yeah. you know, keep repeating. So, it, yeah. And and now maybe would you say that we just go in and do some fun, easy studies that are just, you know, like impressing people? That is what we recommend our our, our PhD students now, you know, you don't have to read old stuff. Just come up with a really cute, fun <laughs> yeah. experiment. And get, and that's get gonna published in career. JPSB and that's going to make your career. Yeah, I mean. Yeah. I, I agree. Shall we 
do one more then about this topic of fun experiments because these quotes are just too good not to share. <laughs> sure. Yeah, okay, okay. Sure, let's All right. <laughs> so this is, a, I have a very, quite a long quote and then a shorter one and you can guess which they're from. Yeah. But mm -hmm. this quote is just, even if we don't do any guessing, it's just so good to mention. Uh -huh. Okay. Yeah. First quote, clever experimentation on exotic topics with zany manipulation seems to be the guaranteed formula for success, which in turn appears to be defined as being able to affect a tour de force. One sometimes get the, gets the impression that an ever-growing coterie of social psychologists is playing, largely for one another's benefit, mm. a game of can you top this? Whoever can conduct the most contrived, flamboyant, and mirth-producing experiments <laughs> receives the highest score on the kudo-meter. <laughs> the implicit values that produce this sort of research include the following. One, experiments should be as fleshy and flamboyant as possible. Mm -hmm. Two, if you can think of an effective manipulation, fine. If you can think of an effective manipulation that is also amusing, mm -hmm. even better. Yeah. Three, if the topic selected for study is itself prosaic, mm -hmm. you should reconsider. If you go ahead, at least study it cleverly. Right. And four, never make an obvious prediction. Mm. Yeah, so this is the one quote. It's very long, but isn't it nice? It's okay. very nice. The second, placing a premium on brief reports of fleshy findings can exacerbate the issue of declining effects as single study findings that lack a theoretical context or that contradict previous data are especially likely to be spurious. Mm -hmm. Yeah, the first quote... Same, same complaint about yeah, fleshy effects. Yeah, fleshy yeah. effects. The first quote is from the first crisis. Yeah, because people just wrote that. Like that. I mean, it's just so well written. It's just amazing. Yeah, no, the quality of the writing is very good. It's so uh, good. Yeah, and it's also, yeah. I mean, as you were talking about, right, the me the methodological issue of like, oh, things being super flashy and stuff, it happens yeah. a lot less now, yeah. I think, than back in the day was really about, yeah. I mean, I recently yeah. you read... You can see. You yeah. can, yeah, yeah, yeah I, I recently read this paper, well, like, looked through a paper where, I, I mean, it was one of Zimbardo's paper where they had had people mm. like eat cockroaches and mm, talk about yeah, it yeah. and it's right yeah. your, and it's like yeah they did such i mean yeah it was just supposed to be like cute and yeah sexy as people call it and sort of flashy and so i imagine yeah. that was sort of a bit more salient now it's just all like you know mturk studies so i guess uh yeah, right yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah but exactly and this is from 1967 from right. ring and this must be a response to those kind of yeah. studies that you described yeah. exactly right. yeah and the, the second is from ledgerwood and sherman 2012 mm. but also i think 2012 very early with this very early. accurate observation that these fun kind of fleshy exciting experiments we were pushing counter, so counterintuitive like that counter was such a big thing right yes and they already point out like yeah but counterintuitive findings are actually likely to be false, false. <laughs> i mean that's just true so yeah yeah good point so anyway this is i think um interesting right similar problems well still, i'm just glad issues. to have gotten all of them right so yeah yeah yeah, yeah no still good still, good. still replicating my success yeah yeah. So, so was something I found interesting about reading about this old um, crisis, mm -hmm. right? I'll give you some observations yeah. that I think are interesting. Um, the first is there was a crisis of relevance. Hmm. So, is our field generating useful, relevant knowledge for society? And it comes from 
these worries about methodology, right. these criticisms of, of these fleshy lab-based lab findings. Yeah, yeah. Yes. And and there are some people who predict like, oh, no, no, but we will move in the right direction in the future, which is larger field-based studies. Because that's like where our heart <laughs> is supposed to be a social psychologist. I mean, we don't just want to do fun stuff in the lab. We want to do, we want to make the world better, you know? And this is like, especially imagine end of the 60s when this starts. The Second World War is 20 years ago. Yeah. I mean, these people really know what they're doing it for, right? Right. They're not doing it for fun lab experiments. They got into social psychology because of that stuff. Right. So they really, you know, but but they, they think they're going to go in the direction of field studies and, you know, mm -hmm. more societal impact. But, but what I find interesting is that they talk about it. They write, I think our field is not generating useful knowledge for society. And that discussion is nowadays... Not really part of our current crisis, but it is part of things people sometimes think. Right. I mean, I know this because I talk to people about this topic actually quite regularly. There are people not, I mean, I, I would say not a week has gone by. I don't know if it's not a week, you know, but definitely not a month goes by that I have a conversation with somebody about this topic. Like, mm. what are we really doing in terms of relevance <laughs> in the field? But yeah. it is always personal communication and never written and not in the level of let's have a real discussion about this. But we had it in the previous crisis. We didn't resolve it, right? In the previous crisis, we hoped we were going to do these big field studies and stuff. Didn't happen. Right. But now it seems like we're not really having a conversation about this. And that I found interesting. Why do you think that is? I don't know. I don't know why we're not talking about it because I think there are enough people who think about it. It's just like... Yeah, I don't know. People feel it's an uncomfortable thing or maybe too risky thing to talk about. And again, I mean, you could fill uh, a 200 uh, uh, seat auditorium with people interested in this topic in the next big conference. I, because there are so many people that I've talked to about this. I wouldn't have a doubt that if you would create, you know, a special meeting session about this at a big conference, like let's have a discussion about this, the room would be full. Yeah. Uh, or they would also be afraid to come there and, <laughs> and have a public discussion about yeah. it. Like they don't write about it as much. But anyway, back in the day, they were just honestly writing about it because I think, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. But now not so much. I, and I really don't know why. This is just yeah, recent observation. I don't Something know. To do think do about. you have any idea? Like why I, would this? I'm not sure. I Yeah, I'm not sure either. But I do think that it has, right? Because if if you ask the question of like, oh, is what we're doing relevant? And the answer is no, then what are you supposed to do about it, right? So I think you're right. There might be some sort of like, you know, fear there of, you know, not really looking the question, you know, in the eye because then otherwise, if, if the answer is no, then what do you do about it? How do you change things that might be sort of uncomfortable? Um, and doing, I mean, doing field studies is hard, right? Going into mm. the real world makes things a lot messier. It's not as clean mm. as your, you know, two by two on MTurk. Right. Exactly. And so it's it's a yeah. lot, lot more difficult and it complicates things quite a lot. And I can imagine people not just wanting to because, those yeah, mm -hmm. field studies are just very, very difficult. Right. Um, They're very effortful. Yeah. They're more noisy. Right. So they don't lead to these great publications. Right. So I think we can say that, yeah, the incentive system. Right. It's not really rewarding those yeah. kind of studies now. Mm. I mean, the other thing I will say, of course, is that if you want to. Like, I do think that in some sense, it's sensible to sort of have to establish effects in the lab and then take them to the field. Mm -hmm. Although, you know, you can also do it, I guess, the other way, 
but but but, mm. but it's fine if you want to do it that way. And I just think if our theories are not well built enough to where you can actually sort of do things well in the lab and be able to replicate things and then see, oh, does it work in the actual um in the real world, right? Mm-hmm. That then you mm-hmm. it's harder to make that leap, right? Because if things aren't even replicating in the lab, then how are you supposed to then be like, oh now I'm going to go test it in the real world. So there could be True. that issue as well, right? The effects yeah. aren't the effects aren't strong enough to to take to take into the real world. So yeah. yeah, yeah, and and now we of course have a generalizability crisis, which is sort of the <laughs> right. same, yeah. you know, right. like they don't. And and the generalizability crisis was also a big part in the previous in crisis. The Actually, this whole point of Gergen as mm-hmm. saying. Social psychology is history was exactly a generalizability mm. crisis. So, if anything, the generalizability crisis was much bigger than people were really Back like. Then. No, no, right. we have no generalizable observations. Right. We should be history, right? Now we have a minor, minor uh, generalizability crisis where people say, you know, like all your colleagues say, you know, we should really sample across many mo- more right. stimulus sets and <laughs> situations. Yeah, no, but Garrigan had him outclassed, <laughs> saying, you know, yeah. let's call it quits. Right. So, but this is part of it. But you, you might be right that if we have a very big replication crisis, right? Yeah, who cares about our relevance crisis if we can't even have if the lab-based stuff right. replicate? Yeah, exactly. But but it does make me think. You know, you know, prediction is very difficult, especially about the future. But it makes me think this is coming. The relevance crisis is going to return. We hmm. didn't solve it the previous time. We're not addressing it now. So I think it's gonna it's gonna emerge somewhere. I, I, so. mean, I mean, sh- and it should emerge somewhere, hmm? right? I Wouldn't mean, be weird. It, yeah. Like, t- t- I mean, the the pandemic, I remember, I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast, but I, it was so, so heartbreaking to me to see just how social psychologists had nothing to contribute of mm-hmm. worse to the cri- to mm-hmm. the to the pandemic, right? Because it was a, it was a social issue in the beginning. We needed people yeah. to not go and hang out with other people, right? I was also I was also thinking of this and. I mean, what is the, um, what is the most impressive social psychology study that you remember from the pandemic that really made a big contribution? I, mean, I don't know. <laughs> Nothing. Nothing comes to mind. Nothing. I mean, this was our moment to shine yeah. as a field. Yeah. And I mean, just give me one, one or two examples I can tell my students, but I, I, I don't know. Nothing. What are the, what are the nice things where you can say, wow, boom, this is the one we did, you know, like, hmm? And nothing comes to mind. Noth- and there noth- were thousands and thousands of studies. And nothing even has come after the fact, right? I mean, there is some sense in which, I mean, right? Like if you think about the stuff that Milgram did or the one that is part of, like, like after the war, mm. they were done in mm. response to what had happened, right? So something mm. that this big event happened and then social yeah. psychologists went to try to explain, hey, why, why did this happen? Why did all these people mm. just go and, you know, murder people because they were just being obedient, right? Like, I mean, you know, that was yeah, sort of yeah. the goal of it, right? Yeah, yeah. And so you could mm-hmm. think that, okay, maybe at the time the whole world was in crisis and you couldn't, but nothing has come out even since then that I've seen yeah. that is like, oh, hey, we had this big, you know, event where, yeah, social interaction was this really sort of, you know, center stage as something that mm-hmm. we needed to sort of curb. And like, what what could explain the way people behaved? Nothing, mm-hmm. I haven't seen mm-hmm. anything that even has done yeah. that in the in the couple of years since, but maybe no. maybe it's coming. Who knows? Yeah. yeah, yeah, who knows? Yeah, I had another observation from comparing the two crises, right? And uh, I'll read something, but uh, in this case, um, I will give it just that these are from the first crisis, right? From this time. So, but I just want to read them out. So, um, a serious potential pitfall is present 
when investigators collect a large amount of data mm -hmm. and have not pre-planned mm -hmm. how they are to analyze the data. Lipset, Troll and Coleman in 1970 have emphasized this pitfall, noting that if an investigator is blessed with an abundance of data, he can select those data which confirm his hypothesis that a relationship exists. The major problem here is that the investigator decides how the data are to be analyzed after he has eyeballed or studied the data. After the investigator has perused the data, he may decide to analyze only certain parts of the data while neglecting other parts. When the investigator has not planned the analysis beforehand, he may find it difficult to avoid the pitfall of focusing only on the data which look promising or which meet his expectations or desires, while neglecting data which does not seem right, which are incongruous with his assumptions, desires or expectations. When not planned beforehand, data analysis can approximate a projection technique such as the mm. Rorschach because the investigator can project on the data his own expectancies desires or biases and can pull out of the data almost any findings he may desire oh, that's so rings a bell yeah research or degrees of freedom yeah exactly right. so this is from a book uh, by Barber in 1976 huh. that's so great so, yeah so it is very clear I, the, the Rorschach analogy is so excellent. Yeah, yeah. it's good, right? It's good. <laughs> yeah. yeah. But but they know. They know right. this is a problem, right? Yeah. And I want to give you a second one. Uh -huh. A second one. Uh, this is from 1966. Uh -huh. So I think really early in this crisis. Um, it, it's a section that's called The Secrets We Keep by hmm. Donette, 1966. Hmm. And he writes, we might better label this game, Dear God, Please Don't <laughs> Tell Anyone. As the name implies, it incorporates all the things we do to accomplish the aim of looking better in public than we really are. The most common variant is, of course, the tendency to bury negative results. I only recently became aware of the massive size of this graveyard for dead studies when a colleague expressed gratification that only a third of his studies turned out, within quotation marks, as he put it. 1966. Yeah. So this is the other interesting observation. So these things are in the literature. Right. Researchers degrees of freedom, selective reporting. This thing is mentioned. It is known. Right. But it never reaches the level of the current crisis. Right. They, they are upset about their experimenter bias and those kind of things. That really, you know, shocked them. But these other things, uh, maybe because they're never quantified, like how big the problem becomes or something. Well, it is. They just sort right. of, but they know about them. But they hardly publicly discuss them. Whereas, of course, in the second crisis, that's exactly what we did. We started to honestly discuss these issues and even measure them and self-report them and stuff. And then we realized, oh, man, this is <laughs> this is really a big problem. Do you think do you think that is that is related also to just like statistical advances? I mean, more people use more fancier statistics now. So there's like, you mm -hmm. know, more room for sort of. I mean, if you could only run a t-test or a correlation, there's only so much you can do yeah. except, you know, throwing away just some data or something like that, right? But now I, the, yeah, the, yeah. The, the ways in which you can manipulate the data now are just like so much more, right? Um, th there's so many more of those ways. So do you think that has something to do yeah. with it? It could be. I once had a, a bachelor student, you know, but it, it was such a small project. We couldn't really do it well. But I had a bachelor student randomly draw some papers from the 60s from the 90s and from just now. 
And then we thought, not just because the statistical techniques improve, but actually we looked at when did when was there no SPSS and computer? Mm. When when did it when just emerge? When things had now. to be done by hand. <laughs> exactly, because we thought, you know, you're not going to yeah. b-hack if you're going to spend a crazy amount of time doing manual calculations, right? right? So I think the rise of the computer probably, I would I would say, yeah. has, has helped, you know, has increased this. But I don't know if any data exists about it. We, we didn't either. find any then. Yeah. But it seems plausible. So I think it might have become a bigger issue. I agree. Right. You know, maybe maybe a bit bigger, but... Uh, it's hard to tell. I don't know. Again, in this 1976 book, yeah, they mention a lot of these things. Uh, by the way, I mean, this practice of doing this goes all the way back. There's a beautiful book by um, Charles Babbage from mm. 1830 mm. Uh, on the decline of science in England and some of its causes. 1830. Yeah. So we knew these practices happened. So maybe they were more laborsome. I don't know. Um but it might just be that people were not honestly talking about, yeah, I do this all the time and it didn't come out. So I think the fact it came out in the second crisis and made people publicly discuss this with each other and say, okay, so wait, this is not good or good or what should we do instead? That was pretty important. Yeah. And and for me in both these things, so the relevant stuff was discussed in the first crisis. Uh, we don't talk about it now, mm-hmm. but I think it's still an issue. Mm-hmm. The method stuff, like the p-hacking and stuff, was known in the first crisis, but not publicly talked about. We publicly talk about it now. So yeah. my take-home message is basically we should really have more honest conversations about all these things we think might be problematic. Right. Or as, you know, the engineer friend I had said, like, instead of talking about these things of what is science, what is science, we should just do better science, you know, just do it. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> instead of mm. talking about mm. it. But, I mean, I do, yeah, I do think it comes, I feel like it comes down to training, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Like when you're introducing people to a field, like how, yeah. And maybe maybe there's no way to avoid some of these pitfalls and you kind of, I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. But but training helps, I think so. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Also not publishing them in a book that nobody reads. I don't know. <laughs> I mean, maybe people read it. I think, you know, The Experimenter, Bias Effect by Rosenthal was also a book widely read. So right. it's, but I think now it's so accessible, a lot of this material, right? It's so easy to train people about this stuff. But there's so much out there also, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, like, still. You mean too much to learn everything now. Too much uh, too much everything out now. But we should mm-hmm. talk about it. Mm-hmm. Well, should we, we, we talk a lot, Daniel. We talk a lot about a lot of things. Is that, is that the solution, you think? Well, education is a big solution. Right. Definitely. Yeah. Definitely. Awareness and education about it is a big Okay, thing. yeah. If by yeah, talking about it, mm-hmm. you mean ed- education and awareness. Oh, then, yeah. yeah. No, okay. but also... Yeah, but but about the relevance thing, talking about it is the start, I think so. Because um, again, I mean, for a lot of these crisis issues, many things were mentioned before, but we didn't really all talk about it. We ignored some of these things. Uh, But when we started to talk about it, everybody says, oh yeah, no, yeah, I mean, this is an issue, right? So yeah, opening up about something can be the start of first awareness and then yeah, next steps. Who knows? Some nice sort of project where you start to take this seriously and who knows what comes out of this. But couldn't, I mean, instead of talking about it, oh, maybe talking about it is the way to get to this, but certainly changing mm-hmm. what we value mm-hmm. in the discipline, right? And I also like sometimes hear people talk about, I mean, relevance definitely implies that you want to do something that has some real world consequences or leads to some mm-hmm. change in the real yeah, world, yeah. which some people might argue like that's not what we should be doing. That's for the applied mm-hmm. scientists. Right. Mm-hmm. We are sort of theoretical researchers or, you know, we do we do basic research. And so we don't have to worry yeah. about yeah. 
Um, mm-hmm. Right. So, so, so there's that issue. I personally yeah, and, think, and a nice, nice yeah. tie back to our previous episode on, on right. values. So like, what should um, we value? Right. What should we value? Well, what do you think? What do you think? Um, well, I think that the the line between sort of basic and applied research is not as clear. Like, is not that that mm-hmm. demarcation isn't as you know clear as some people seem to think. Um, but mm-hmm. yeah, I can. If somebody's like, oh yeah, what I'm doing just has no you know no bearing on what how how it might be relevant to the world. Like, that's fine. Mm-hmm. Um, what I notice on a meta level is because yeah. I have the same sort of feeling. Like, if you start to try to talk about this topic of yeah. relevance, which uh-huh. we do, of course, sometimes. Right. But if we now compare this, how you just talked about these other issues, like you know replication and whether it replicates and how we know whether something you know we had such we had a decade of discussion about it. we became pretty smart about replication mm. we haven't had the decade of discussion talking relevance. about relevance we don't have the framework we don't have the terms we don't even know how to have a good talk about this i mean with all respect for how we're trying i mean i also have a feeling that there's a weird divide between uh, applied sort of more applied and theoretical and i feel there's something there but I think if we have a crisis about this in five years, everybody's like, yeah, these are the terms we use, bomb, bomb. You know, yeah. I think that's I mean, I, I have personally been in that crisis since the beginning of graduate school. <laughs> in my in my qualifying exam, uh, we, we were supposed to have like three topics. And I had like mm-hmm. a fourth like mini extra topic that I called like social psychology, worthwhile or just a house of cards or something like that. <laughs> Great. I mean, what? Wait, were you were you doing this in 1970? No. I mean, this sounds like you were doing this in 1970, like just part of the previous crisis. Well done. I didn't know you were, you know, already busy that long. But no, yeah, uh, an old soul, maybe an old. Oh, soul. Da- oh, it. yeah, been an old soul for for a long time. Yeah, no, but it, you know, to me, it's always been like, yeah, is it even worth doing? We should we should really be talking yeah. about it, like how it's relevant well, or why we're relevant. Yeah. Excellent. I think I think we've we've already uh, out outstayed our uh, welcome yeah. for this episode. Like it's <laughs> yeah. a long one. So how about yeah. we we do it? We move yeah. forward the discussion. Give it a give it a go for the next time. For the next time, yeah, sounds great. Thank you for listening to this episode of Nullius in Verba. Our theme song is Newton's Cradle by Grand Brothers. If you have any thoughts, feedback, or comments you'd like to share. You can reach us over email at nulliusinverbapod at gmail.com or our social media accounts at Mastodon or Twitter. In this episode, we talked about the previous crisis in social psychology and found surprising similarities in the statements researchers made in the old and the new crisis. In the next episode, we will revisit Peter Medawar's term, snobbismus, and discuss a variety of cases where scientists might feel superior to one another. We hope you will join us.